Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. News for you. News for SC. I'm Jamila Hammond. We're coming to you live from Studio B and USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Colby Martin. It's Thursday, April 21st, 2022. On today's show... The Biden administration's care package for Ukraine. Putin has failed to achieve his grand ambitions on the battlefield. A preview of the LA Festival of Books happening at USC this weekend. A student organization's festival highlights marginalized communities. And what is colorism? Find out all that and more after these news headlines. From Annenberg Radio News, I'm Will Simons. President Biden announced today that the U.S. will send another $800 million of military aid to Ukraine. Biden said this today. We're in a critical window now of time where that they're going to set the stage for the next phase of this war. Biden also pledged $500 million in economic aid to the Ukrainian government. But just hours later, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared victory in the besieged Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. The United States Supreme Court ruled today that the residents of Puerto Rico are not eligible to receive benefits provided by a social security program. The case involved a disabled man who continued to get benefits after moving from New York to Puerto Rico in 2013. Supplemental security income is available to residents of all 50 states, but not those living in the U.S. territories of Guam, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Writing for the majority, Justice Brett Kavanaugh justified the ruling by noting that Puerto Rican residents generally don't pay federal income taxes. The CDC released a health advisory today warning doctors about unusual cases of hepatitis in children. Nine cases have been reported in Alabama and two other cases in North Carolina. No cause has been identified yet and no deaths have been reported. Many similar cases were reported earlier this week in Europe among young children. Just a month after its launch, you won't be hearing this for much longer. This is a CNN Plus special report. CNN Plus, CNN streaming service, will shut down on April 30th. CNN's parent company, Warner Media, merged with Discovery last month. And CNN also has new leadership. Former President Jeff Zucker was recently forced to step down. The network had spent tens of millions of dollars on marketing campaigns and acquiring media personalities like Chris Wallace and Audie Cornish to host shows. The Florida House of Representatives voted today to end the status of Disney World in Orlando as a special tax and semi-autonomous district. Disney has had this benefit since 1967. It allows the company to essentially self-govern its massive theme park complex. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to sign the bill, which would go into effect in June next year. The decision comes after Disney's public opposition to the state's recently passed law that opponents called Don't Say Gay. This controversial law prohibits schools from discussing sexual orientation and gender identity with younger students. These are some of the top stories in the news. Today, President Joe Biden announced that the U.S. will provide more monetary and military aid to the Ukrainian government. Ukraine evacuated some civilians today out of the besieged city of Maripol, but many people remain trapped. Joey Elbaum has more. U.S. President Joe Biden announced an additional $500 million will be provided to assist the Ukraine government. He also announced a separate $800 million in military assistance. 
President Biden spoke today on the importance of assisting Ukraine. We're in a critical window now of time where they're going to set the stage for the next phase of this war. For Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, however, the money announced today may not be enough. Zelensky said Thursday that Ukraine needs $7 billion per month. At this time, we need up to $7 billion U.S. billion each month to uh, make up for the economic uh, losses. Uh, and uh, we will need hundreds of billions of dollars to rebuild all this later. Zelensky stated that Moscow should be excluded from all international financial institutions, including the World Bank. He also said all countries should be prepared to break all relations with Russia. Since the war began, approximately two-thirds of all children in Ukraine have become displaced. President Biden announced today an initiative called Unite for Ukraine. This plan is an effort to support Ukrainian refugees who come to the U.S. Also today, Pavlo Kirilenko, the Donsk Regional Military Administrator, said 79 civilians successfully evacuated the besieged city of Mariupol. After several delays and failed attempts, Ukraine was finally able to open an evacuation corridor. Kirilenko said almost 100,000 Mariupol residents have already evacuated. Even though these civilians have evacuated from Mariupol, the movement is going very slowly. Many civilians still remain in Mariupol. Ukraine will continue to work to evacuate every resident via evacuation buses. According to the latest International Organization for Migration report, over 7.7 million Ukrainians have been displaced. President Biden is still confident in Ukraine's future. Putin has failed to achieve his grand ambitions on the battlefield. For Annenberg Media, I'm Joey Elbaum. The annual LA Times Festival of Books unfolds this weekend on USC's campus. As Eli Maskett reports, more than 500 writers, musicians, and artists will be on hand. The LA Festival of Books will be held in person for the first time since the start of the pandemic. It was virtual in both 2020 and 2021. Among the festival's lineup are a few celebrity names. Actor Terry Crews will discuss his book, Tough, My Journey to True Power, on Sunday at the main stage. Singer-songwriter, actress, and producer Janelle Monet will join in a conversation on Saturday at Bovard Auditorium. Joining these names is Amanda Gorman, who is the youngest inaugural poet in U.S. history. On Saturday at the main stage, she'll talk about and read from her new poetry collection, Call Us What We Carry. The poet's diagnosis is that what we have lived has already warped itself into a fever dream, the contours of its shape stripped from the murky mind. USC students should prepare for a lot of extra people and vehicles on campus this weekend. The festival usually draws roughly 150,000 visitors. There's something for everyone, but it must be especially exciting for an English major like Megan. Her classes have been talking about the festival and will be going to a poetry event. We just talked a lot about how like it's a good opportunity to like buy straight from the publisher and not buy um, a third party and also like have the opportunity to speak with the writers and like why they wrote it or where they hope for the book to go. Other students, like Delia, are excited to see the celebrity guests. We were very interested in hearing um, Janelle Monet and Max Greenfield. All are welcome to come, whether you're a student, local, or have traveled to LA for the event. General admission to the Festival of Books is free, although tickets are required for some select author discussions and panels. For Annenberg Media, I'm Eli Maskett. 
The concept of colorism has a long history and embodiment in pop culture that many are not aware of. Here's Ivana Betty with today's Root Source. When you hear the word colorism, what comes to your mind? For many people who aren't within a minority group, this word may be unheard of or new. So what is colorism? Colorism is racial discrimination towards individuals with darker skin while showing preference towards those with lighter skin. This can affect people within any racial or ethnic background. We see this discussed in the show Boondocks. Well, I got rave at a LIGO. Every year my skin just seemed to get blacker and darker and blacker and then more darker. <laughs> it's the opposite of what Michael Jackson got. Lucky bastard. Colorism came to the United States during slavery and colonization. Whiteness in terms of skin color and features gave some people more freedom and opportunities than people with non-Eurocentric features. We see this come up in the show Blackish. Slave owners did divide us by color, putting dark slaves in the field and light slaves in the house. Although slaves were eventually freed, this mentality still carried into our current society. We see this institutionally and systematically through jobs and benefits that are too often denied to people with darker skin. We also see this through pop culture with medial stereotypes like the angry black woman, which commonly depicts dark-skinned black women. We see an example of this stereotype in the show Glee. Why does everyone just assume I'm angry all the time? It's called being sassy, Mr. Shu. We also see this within Western beauty standards. Women with darker skin commonly need to have Eurocentric features or be exceptionally beautiful to fit within that realm. In Blackish, we see the character Diana experience colorism. Oh, look at you. You are gorgeous for a dark-skinned girl. Colorism has had a long history. It ranges from slavery to mainstream media today and continues to cause hatred and insecurity with how we view ourselves or inferiority in terms of viewing others. It's now so deeply embedded within our culture, it is uncertain if it will ever cease to exist. For Annenberg Media, I'm Ivana Betty. I'm Colby Martin, and we are glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Jamila Hammond. It's 10 minutes past the hour. Coming up, we'll meet a graduate student who's working to increase representation of people with disabilities. Stay tuned. USC's student organizations host a variety of music festivals each year. One of them is Femme Fest. It's an event that puts artists from marginalized identities at the forefront. Andrea Click brings us a behind-the-scenes look at the team who put together, for the first time in two years, an in-person Femme Fest. My name is Grace Safara. I'm the director of booking and hospitality for FemFest. For booking, I worked with my team to book our four artist lineup. And for hospitality, I work with all the artists to coordinate what they want in their dressing rooms, and I set up all their dressing rooms. Um, we started reaching out to their agents about like the beginning of this semester, like right in January. Our lineup is um, centers our identities that are typically marginalized in the music industry. So. 
our headliner is Dreamer Isioma, who is non-binary and also a black artist. So we're really excited about that. And then we have Ray Ami, who is um, Asian American. And then we have Tiffany Day, also Asian American. So I have been involved with FemFest since last year. We had a festival online last year, so this is my first in-person event. I was a part of SAGE First, which is the Student Assembly for Gender Empowerment, which is the branch of USG that runs FemFest. Um, and through that, I found out about the music festival, and I was like, I'm a music industry major, and I'm a gender and social justice minor, so this is right up my alley. in-person show we have to worry about like coordinating them getting here we have to set up their dressing rooms as I do for hospitality and um, we have to worry about like how much or how their sets are gonna go their sound check times and things like that so it's been a lot more involved being doing an in-person show this year FemFest I think directly grew out of the need to focus on artists who are marginalized because of their identities. Um, so I think that's what sets us apart from other shows is that we, our main focus is to bring in artists to have access to the USC students that wouldn't typically, with our history of like programming, with having like a lot of white artists and a lot of men. Um, so that is, I think we're doing a good job with that, hopefully. We're, we keep expanding every year, so it keeps getting better and better in that goal. The experience that I've gotten through FemFest for working in live music, because that's what I want to do, has been unparalleled. Like I'm, I'm talking to real agents. I'm, um, I'm working with my friends too while I'm doing that. Like we're, we're promoting a lineup that I love. Like I love our artists. It's like a combination of working with my friends, having um, the opportunity to work um, with like real people in the music industry, and then um, have like the show come together with me in a director role. Andrea Click, uh, that was Andrea Click reporting on FemFest, and we'll hear more about underrepresented people in our next story. USC's Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism joined with the Viterbi School of Engineering to create a graduate program in communication data science. One of the students in this program is Natalie Fung, a Trojan who was inspired to pursue this degree through uncovering data on people with disabilities such as herself. Here she is to discuss more. You eventually did come back to USC through not only working through Viterbi, but also mm -hmm. you did participate in other programs such as the Rolettes where you were a wheelchair dance team. Uh, with mm -hmm. your graduate degree program, how do you aspire to increase representation for people with these disabilities? In other words, how do you hope to bridge that gap of disconnect really between the lack of data we have in this world and the true mm -hmm. reality that we just really don't acknowledge, we don't perceive? I think my main goal after graduation would be to uh, work in the tech industry and make tech more equitable for people with disabilities because people with disabilities rely on tech a lot. You know, it's like one of the ma most major part of my life. And um, sometimes it can be difficult to use tech when it's not made accessible, you know, universally accessible for everyone. Um, you know, tech companies are making progress in that and, you know, having these accessible features that you can turn on on like the iPhone and other things. But I think, you know, just having those capabilities of using mainstream technology, not assistive technology that can, you know, sometimes be like we were talking about stigma, sometimes stigmatizing if you're using like 
a huge robotic arm or something to help you in daily life. But something like an iPhone is something that everybody uses. And, um, you know, being able to use an iPhone is even if, you know, you don't have your sight or you don't have use of your limbs can be really freeing. It's really inspiring of what you want to do with technology and uh, robotic arms, robotic limbs, really, that just give more accessibility to people who don't have that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really about giving more to people in this world that aren't as privileged as we wish they were. Just giving people equal access to be able to succeed. You know, like, it, for example, like with computers, there I can only basically use one type of computer. I personally use the Microsoft Surface because it's a touchscreen and a laptop. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of options for me out there for computers, but imagine someone who wouldn't even be able to use that and not being able to use a computer and how that limits career opportunities and ways that you can grow and just making that accessible for people will really, you know, it could increase the, um, sorry, decrease unemployment for people with disabilities. Definitely. I completely agree with you on that. And usually many people our age aren't really aware or conscious of this until, unfortunately, it happens to us. And so from your perspective, from being able-bodied and perhaps maybe unaware to now identifying as someone with a disability who also advocates for your community through data and really this niche form of activism, how have you changed in not only perceiving society around you, but also yourself? question. (laughs) Um, You know, I think I've definitely learned to be more grateful. You know, I took a lot of things for granted before, um, you know, now that I don't have the same abilities as I did. uh, Definitely more grateful, more um, patient and knowing that everyone has a story, you know, especially with disability, not all disabilities are visible. There's so many people with invisible disabilities and, you know, we don't know what people are going through. My disability just happens to be very visible with my wheelchair and, you know, I always have my service dog with me. So uh, we stand out a little bit. But, yeah, and, like, you know, luckily at USC there are – I've been working with, um, you know, the dean of the engineering school and working with uh, the ADA coordinator and we've been trying to make things more accessible for people with disabilities and – that's awesome. It really is just a step-by-step progress process, excuse me, and it seems as though you are really helping to pave the way here at USC with that. Natalie Fung is a graduate student studying communication data science who intends to help increase representation of those with disabilities through her work in data. Natalie, once again, thank you so, so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so you much for it? having me. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Yuki Leung and Arohi Shieth produced today's show. Fernando Cienfuegos runs our soundboard. Hey, and we had help from Grace Harrington, Mendy Kong, Carrie Spencer, Sam Tarlov, Coco Shinsha Wong, Sing Young Zhang, and Veronica Sierra Leone. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. I always love the music. We stream live on KXSC. Follow us at kxsc.org slash listen. And we're also on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. And why not subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, I'm Colby Martin. And I'm Jamila Hammond. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From From Where Where We We Are. Are. Oh, man. What about that festival? Hey, go see Janelle Monae. Come on, y'all. I'm excited for Janelle Monae.